Today's scripture is John chapter 4, verses 16 through 23. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. So one thing is for sure, beloved, Americans have a love affair with, with movies. There is no doubt about it. We love the big screen. We enjoy major motion pictures. We enjoy them so much that many of them become more than just movies. They do. They become events that define generations. Movies influence us. They influence culture. They influence language. They influence thought. And they often give us, they give us bigger than life characters. Unforgettable songs and scenes. They become iconic. They define generations. Gone with the Wind, Star Wars, Titanic. I still haven't figured out what that's all about. <laughs> Lion King. One of the most epic and generation-defining films ever, however, beloved was Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Now, there used to be a time that I could ask a room this size, have you seen The Ten Commandments? And everybody would have seen it multiple times over. I'm pretty sure that's not safe anymore. But you should. But you should because at the time of its making, it was a masterful piece of filmmaking. Even today, when you watch it, you almost forget, Pastor Phil, that it was made in 1956. Amazing, amazing. And the thing about the movie, I'm going somewhere with this, just hang on. The thing about the movie, I told you we got time, Pastor uh, Brother Bob. The thing about the movie is that it is so big that it practically shaped 
a generation's understanding of what the Bible said about Moses. What the Bible said about Pharaoh, about what the Bible taught about the burning bush, about the Red Sea, about God bringing his children out of Egypt. I mean, to this day, to this day, you say Moses, and I think Charlton Heston. If you say Pharaoh, there is only one. You're Brenner. There is no other one. There is no other one. It's your Brenner. When I see Pharaoh in the Bible, I see his face. I kid you not. I see his face. The movie was great, beloved. But the movie missed the point. As they mostly do. The movie missed the point. And all the theatrics of the clash that is between Moses and Pharaoh, between Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner, uh, between the nation of Egypt and the children of Israel, of all the theatrics and all the grand drama that is that fine film, the movie overlooked and dismissed the central point of the drama. What was it? Worship. Worship. Why did God save Moses, have him placed in the basket and put in the river? Worship. Worship. Why did God speak to Moses out of a bush that was on fire but wasn't burning? Worship. Why did God send Moses to Pharaoh? Worship. Why did Moses tell Pharaoh, God said, let my people go? To go and do what, Moses? Hang out at the beach? To go and do what? Play golf? To go and do what? Watch movies? No, beloved. Let my people go so that they might worship me. Because they're not free. They're not free to worship. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12, the Bible says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Why? Because the point 
of it all is worship. And so when Moses goes into Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 16, then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 8, in verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go. Why? So that they may worship me. Redeemed to worship. That's what it was all about. That's why God put that baby Moses in that basket. That's why he called him up the mountain to the bush. That's why he sent him back into Egypt. Worship. That's why he parted the Red Sea. Worship. God brought Israel out of bondage and slavery to Egypt and set them free so that they would worship him. That's what it's about. That's the point. That was the point then. That is the point now. You and I are no different. Israel in Egypt, in fact, pictures you and me. You and I have been redeemed by God out of bondage and slavery to sin and Satan. And we have been set free so that you and I might worship him. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why he called you out of darkness. He called you out of darkness so that you might declare the praises of the one who called you. Redeemed to worship. God sent Moses to set free the children of Israel so that they might worship him. But you know the interesting thing about it? It wasn't a simple freedom. It wasn't a simple freedom. It wasn't, it wasn't simple, beloved. There was plagues. There was frogs and lice and flies, and locusts, and darkness. There was even death that accompanied them being brought out of Egypt. There were sacrifices. There was a lamb that had to be slain, and the blood of the lamb had to be put upon the doorpost. And God had to promise that if he saw the blood, that he would pass over them. This was not a simple freedom. But it wasn't just the plagues, beloved. Then there was the Red Sea. 
had to get to the Red Sea, and they couldn't get across the Red Sea. God had to part the Red Sea so that they could get through on dry land so that they could get to the place where they would worship him. And then when they get to the place where they would worship him, it wasn't just that simple either. They had commandments. Ten of them came down. Not one, not two, not three. Ten. Ten commandments came down. But not only did ten commandments come down, then came down the command for sacrifices and offerings. This was not a simple freedom. Sacrifices, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, peace offerings. But then that wasn't all. Then there were feast days. Tabernacle, unleavened bread, uh, trumpets, Passover. And as if that was not enough. Then they had to set up the tabernacle. And in setting up the tabernacle, they had to set up certain parts of the tabernacle in which only certain people could go in at certain times. The outer place, the holy place, and then the holy of holy places in which only the high priest could go, and he could only go in there once a year. All of this, all of this, beloved, all of this was required when God called them out of Egypt. Called them out of Egypt, let my people go so they can worship me. And then what is required? Yeah, jump through all these hoops. Yes. 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 It reminded the people that even though they were God's people, and even though He had called them out of Egypt, they were still separated from Him. They were separated from His holiness. They were separated from their because of their sin. And every day, all day, they were reminded of it. And if you had asked an Israelite in the Old Testament, tell me about your relationship with God, he could have said, well, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. But what made it complicated, beloved? Sin made it complicated. God had redeemed his people out of Egypt, called them to worship him, but they could not get near unto him. They couldn't get near to him. That is what caused David to raise the question. Thinking about all the hoops one had to jump through in order to worship God on a daily David wrote in Psalm 24 and 3, asking the question, Then who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? I know we don't feel 
the consternation in that question. But David did. Every day. As the sacrifices were being made. And the desire to get near to God. In other words, who can draw near to God in worship, David is asking. Who can draw near to him in worship? Who can keep up with all that is required? Who is worthy enough to stand in his presence? This is the great question. Worshiping requires. This is the great question we should always be asking. Who is worthy? Who is worthy to worship the Lord? Who is worthy? Abraham? Nope. Jacob? Nope. Moses? Nope. David? Nope. This is the pivotal question in worship. Who is worthy? This has always been the question. This is the question. Who is worthy? That's the question. That's raised in Revelation 5 and verse 2 by the angels in heaven. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? to open the scroll and break its seal. Who is worthy, in other words, to stand in the presence of God? Who is worthy to ascend the hill of God? This is the question, beloved, and it is a serious one. And the answer, beloved, is simple. Coming straight out of Isaiah. Six and eight, Jesus said, here am I, send me. I'll go up that hill. I'll ascend into the presence of the Holy One. I'll simplify this thing. God, remember, we said this before, God did not send Jesus to complicate our lives. That is a lie. Jesus came to simplify. He came to simplify our faith. He came to simplify our prayers. He came to simplify our worship. Jesus did not come. Listen, beloved. Jesus did not come to add another layer of complexity to worship. No, no, no. He came to make it simple. When Christ came, Christ says, now there's only one. There's only one. Unlike before, Christ has made worship and coming to God simple. There is only one. One lamb. One sacrifice. One priest. One commandment, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one cross, 
one death, one resurrection, because there's only one name. One name. So all you need, one name. Just one. Don't get any more simple than that. Just one. Just one. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, the writer of Hebrews says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. How many times? Again and again. What does he offer? The same sacrifices over and over again and doing over and over again. And you know what the Bible says right there? They can never take away sin. He's making them over and over again, day after day. But when, that is until this priest, namely Christ, had offered for all time how many sacrifices? One. One sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Then it goes on to say, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One. One. One sacrifice. One priest. One time. Why? Because Christ did not come to add layers, but to take them away. To take the layers away. Not to add barriers, but to take away barriers and make only one thing necessary. What's that one thing? Him. 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 And in taking away all of those layers, Jesus makes worship simple. He makes it simple. Strips away the extras. That's what he did. He came to... To remove barriers. Remove barriers. No more sacrifices. No more tabernacles. No more holy of holies. No more feast days. No more offerings. Christ came to remove the obstacles. And the biggest one of all being your sin. Christ comes and removes the obstacles. He has taken down the walls that separate. And now you and I, in him, are free to worship God. So that worship is simple and worship is free. Worship is simple, and worship is free. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All that was needed for us to be able to worship God. Now, worship is free. It's free now. It's free. Worship is free now. That's what people need to know. That's what people need to hear. That's what you need to hear, okay? Worship is free. You are free to worship God. I know we don't believe it. I don't believe it because the woman at the well didn't believe it. But this is what Jesus 
would instruct her. This is what Jesus would teach her. This is what Jesus would have us to know this morning. You are free to worship God. You can lift your hands. You're free. You're free to worship God. You can lift your hands. Okay? You can shout. Okay? Just not too loud. But you can shout. Okay? You can stand. Okay? You can sing. And if Pastor Phil runs, you can run with him. All right? You're free. You're free. Worship has been paid for. And this is what Jesus was telling the woman at the well. That's what he tells us this morning. In John chapter 4, when Jesus met the woman at the well, beloved, she was at the well that morning to get some water. Jesus was there to talk about worship. Jesus was there to let her know that God was doing a new thing and that worship was going to change forever. Worship was being made simple. Worship was being made free. And she was included. Worship is simple. Worship is free. And you're included. You're included, lady. She would no longer be excluded. She would no longer be ostracized. She would no longer be alienated because of the barriers in her life, the barriers that kept her from freely worshiping, her gender, her class, or even her sin. The things that keep us from freely worshiping. Let's be honest this morning. And Jesus says, no, I've come to remove all those. You have no obstacles this morning. But she had barriers, beloved. She had barriers. She had obstacles. Her gender was a barrier. As a woman, she was excluded from certain parts of the worship of God. As a woman, she was hindered from giving full expression of her relationship with God. Every day, beloved, the rabbis at her time would wake up and they would offer a prayer. And they would say, blessed O God, thank you for not making me a Gentile. Thank you for not making me a slave. Thank you for not making me a woman. For many people, her gender was a barrier. There were certain parts of the temple in which she could not go. There were prayers that she couldn't offer. There were limits to her expression. But not only was her gender a barrier, but so too was her ethnicity. Her ethnicity was a barrier. She was a Samaritan. And Samaritans were considered outsiders, heretics, idolaters, traitors. 
theirs were an ethnic minority that was excluded from worship and the free expression of worshiping Yahweh. There were ethnic barriers, and we know about ethnic barriers, beloved, and discrimination. And often, these barriers have kept people from the freedom of worship. And because of the ethnic barriers, it was not only true in her day, but it is true in our day. These things have led to a splintered church and a divided worship. Because people have seen certain ethnicities as barriers to full expression and freedom in worship. Her gender was a barrier. Her ethnicity was a barrier. Her sin was a barrier. She was a woman with a sordid past not a woman of good reputation. She was looked down upon. She felt it. She knew it. She understood it. She felt the shame of her sin. She understood and felt the eyes of others of, upon her every time, every time, no doubt, when she would walk into the worship of God's people. She was a sinner and she knew it. Everyone else knew it. As far as most was concerned, she was unworthy, unclean, and unimportant. And unimportant. And all of these, all of these, all of these would have been barriers, beloved, obstacles, hindrances to her. They would have discouraged her from worshiping. And unfortunately, these are some of the same things that discourage people today. Why? Don't people come to church today? Why is church attendance on the decline, as some people say? Well, we hear all the lame and the old excuses. People are too busy. These times, they have no time for religious things. They, are, they have no interest. They had to work six days a week. The one day that they have off, they're not going to spend it in old buildings, listening to old people sing old songs. <laughs> it's not relevant. It's boring. All of these are the old and usual excuses. Do you know what I find, however, the most interesting reason that some people give for not attending church? Beloved, is that people don't feel welcomed. People feel condemned. People feel judged. Like the woman at the well, they feel because, they feel this because we have made worship about everything but the main thing. Listen, beloved, listen, listen to me. This is just a sidebar. This is just a sidebar. This is free. Somebody walks in the East Point Church, and you haven't seen them in a while. If the first thing you say to them is, where have you been? 
We haven't seen you in a while. Just keep it moving. Don't say anything. Okay? Let others, filled with the Spirit, do that gracious work. Look at the woman at the well this morning. And ask yourself the question, what was hindering her? And what hinders you from freely worshiping God this morning? I think oftentimes, beloved, most of us are more concerned, like her, with what other people think or with what other people are saying or will say or could possibly say. Listen to me this morning, beloved. What others think of you has no bearing on what Jesus thinks of you. He is not asking their opinion. But not only that, not only that, likewise, what you think of others has no bearing on what Jesus thinks of them. No bearing at all. None at all, beloved. I know we have a high view of our own opinions, but I can rest assured to you that Jesus doesn't share that high view. Whatever barriers or obstacles you might think there are to you freely worshiping God this morning. Jesus has taken them down and he says, come. Come. No matter what others think, you just come. No matter what others say, you just come. 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 This is what he was saying to her at the well. Her gender would no longer be a barrier. Why? Because in Christ there is neither male or female. They are all one in Christ. Her ethnicity would no longer be a barrier because in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile or slave or free or Samaritan. Her sin would no longer be a barrier because in Christ all sin has been taken away. That's what the songwriter says. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, saved and sanctified I am. All my sins have been washed away. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Not no barriers. Her gender would no longer be a barrier. Her ethnicity would no longer be a barrier. And her sin would no longer be a barrier. And now, because of Jesus, not only is worship free, but worship is simple. Okay? It's simple. It's simple. He's taking down the barriers. And whatever's hindering you, it should not hinder you anymore. Should not hinder you any longer. Worship is simplified. And it's simplified in this. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. 
Okay? It doesn't get more simple than that. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. Her gender would have kept her back. Jesus comes and says, not anymore. Not anymore. Man or woman, boy or girl, Jew or Gentile, black or white, everyone is welcome in Jesus' sight. Jesus not only loves all the little children of the world, but he welcomes them. He welcomes them into worship. He says, come, come all, come all, the poor and the needy, come, the weak and the humble, come, the lame and the sick, come, the helpless and the hopeless, come. Before Christ, all of those would have been barriers. But now in Christ, all of them come. You just come, just as I am, without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. That thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, whoever you are, you just come. Come. All of these in Jesus are free to come and worship him. Come. Come. Anybody. Anybody. Young or old. Anybody. That's simple. Who can worship? Anybody. Can I worship anybody? Are you included in the anybody? Are you included in the all? And you come. Anybody. I mean, not just anybody. Anywhere. Anywhere. You know that? She wanted to make it about a place. You see that in John 4 and 20. When Jesus approaches her, she wants to make worship about a place. Well, they had segregated. They had, you know, they had segregated, like the Baptists and the Presbyterians. You know? <laughs> they had segregated. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they are segregated. The Samaritans worshipped in Mount Gerizim, the Jews in Jerusalem. And Jesus told her, in chapter 4 and verse 21, her worship is not a place. Worship is not a place. It's not mountains. It's not temples. If you've been around EPC for any time or have heard the stories and the testimonies, then you know that we have had our share of worship locations. We have been in the house. We have been in school chapel. We have been in a community center. We have been in a middle school. We have been in borrowed buildings. We have been in a building of our own. One thing we have learned, at least I hope we have learned, is that it's not about the place. Now, the place is nice, and thank God for the place. But it's not the place that makes worship possible. It's the power. It is not the place 
that makes worship possible, beloved. It's the power. The power. Where the Spirit is, there is worship. Where the Word of God is proclaimed, there God's people worship. Where the power of the Holy Spirit is pointing people to Jesus and the power of the Word proclaimed is pointing people to Jesus, there is worship. And that's simple. You don't need fancy lights or cameras. You don't need expensive mics or amps. You don't even need heating or air. All you need is Jesus. 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 In the morning when I rise, that's all I need is Jesus. Jesus. When I come to die, that's all I need is Jesus. Simple. We complicated with all of the peripheral and the extras. And we spend all week fussing over the extras, trying to get all the extras right. When really, all we need to worship is Jesus. Because it's not about a place. It's about the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God pointing us to Jesus. And that happens anywhere. Anywhere. Anybody. Anywhere. Anytime. Anytime. That woman at the well understood, like most of us understand, that there were set times and places for worship. And in her mind, it was not right then at the well. Okay? I know, but there are times for worship. There are times, there are places for worship, and it was not right then at the well. And Jesus says to her, oh, no, young lady, you got it all wrong. In verse 23, he says, the time is coming, or in fact, better yet, the time is now. The time is now when true worship is going to be in spirit and in truth. It is not only anyone, anywhere, but young lady, it is any time. Any time. Any time. Because simple worship is not just what we do on Sunday. It's what we do every day. It's not just what we do when we come into the sanctuary. It's what we do wherever we are. That's what the psalmist says. Psalm 34 and verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. All times. 
continually be in my mouth. Christ came at that well and even now today to show us and reminded us and remind us that he has torn down the veil. He has opened up the way to show us that you don't have to wait for Sunday to worship. We worship every day. Someone asked the question. They like to ask questions. Should we worship on Saturday or should we worship on Sunday? And others like to ask, is it right to have worship services on Friday? Well, the Christian answer to this, beloved, is that we worship every day. We worship every day. We worship anytime. We can worship anywhere. This is what Christ has done. He has opened worship. This is why you have been redeemed. Christ, in one moment, did what it took Moses forever to do. Redeem God's people and bring them to God so that they could freely worship him. And that's what he has done. And anybody now, anywhere, anytime, anywhere, anytime. I know, I know, I know. Life is filled with complex questions, beloved. And some of them are more complicated than others. But I want to suggest to you this morning that you don't let worship be one of them. Worship is simple. We worship anytime. We worship anywhere. Because Jesus is worthy. And he has made it simple. Someone asked the question, on what day should I worship? Hey, I'm going to make it simple for you. On what day is God good? Every day. On what day is the Spirit of the Lord working in your life? Every day. On what day is the Word of God alive? Every day. On what day is Jesus Lord? Every day. What day should you worship? Every day. And someone asked the question, do I have to go to church on Sunday? Well, I don't have to go to church on Sunday. I get to go to church on Sunday. I get to go to church on Sunday because on Sunday, I get to do with my brothers and sisters what I've been doing by myself all week, worship. That's why I come on Sunday. I'm tired of doing it by myself. Someone asked the question, why do we sing? When we lift our hands to Jesus, what do we really mean? Someone may be wondering when we sing our song. Sometimes we may be crying and nothing's even wrong. That's because I sing because he has made me happy. I sing because he has made worship free. 
I sing because his eye is on the sparrow, and I sing because I know that he is watching over me, and that's why I sing. Beloved, it is as simple as that. It's not complicated at all. It's very simple. We're free. And he's worthy. And he has made it possible. Let's pray.